Welcome to Cardamone Law University, translating the Pennsylvania workers' compensation law into plain English for injured workers. This is a monthly series to help injured workers and the public in general understand the complex law in Pennsylvania regarding workers' compensation. My name is Thomas Smallwood, Vice President of Marketing for Cardamone Law. I will be your host, and I will be asking questions to Michael W. Cardamone, attorney and owner of our workers' compensation boutique firm, Cardamone Law. How are you, Michael? Doing great, Tom. Nice to be with you today. Great to have you. In our last episode, Mike, we discussed brain injuries. Let's shift gears for this episode on a much lighter topic and learn about the person behind Cardamone Law. Michael, tell us a bit about your parents and any siblings that you grew up with. Well, I had a great childhood. Uh, my dad was an attorney at a well-known suburban law firm called Timony Knox. My mom stayed home, took care of myself, my older brother, Dan, my older sister, Mary. Uh, she stayed quite busy with the three of us volunteering at our grade school, St. Rose of Lima in North Wales, driving us to our piano lessons, drum lessons, sports practices, games. Um, I grew up in North Wales which is fairly close to Montgomery County Community College, right on the outskirts of the, of the downtown. Uh, it was a great, ideal neighborhood. We had about 60 houses. It was safe and loaded with kids, so I was really lucky. My um, older brother, Dan, now has three children. They live in the Atlanta area. And my older sister, Mary, has four children, and they live in the Lancaster area. So you have a fairly large family. Yeah, I mean, I guess relatively speaking, it is pretty large. Um, I grew up next to a, a household with 10 children. So <laughs> relative <laughs> to them, we have a small family. But yeah, I think, you know, in general, the trend has been, if you look at the last couple decades, the trend has been sort of smaller families. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess ours is kind of right in the middle there. What do you have, nieces, nephews, a whole a whole gaggle of both or what do you have oh yeah i have um i have let's see here one two three nieces four nephews um so yeah and then i have three kids of my own all girls oh god so, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> the family get-togethers are getting pretty large at this point yeah it sounds like it um what influence did your father have on you in terms of deciding to become an attorney like him? There's no doubt he had an impact on me. Uh, I could see how sharp he was, how he could focus on an issue and solve a problem step by step. He was very methodical and he never tired out intellectually. I think this really helped him with his legal cases because I I could see even with me sometimes if we would debate something, he could just wear me down. And I think he wore down a lot of his opponents. Um, he was quite relentless. And growing up, I was just fascinated with how he could reason through things, even with subjects he wasn't an expert on. So the other thing is I was really lucky to have been afforded a nice lifestyle from his hard work. He worked so many hours week after week even on the weekends, you know, but the upside of that was that it really gave me and my brother and sister a lot of opportunities in life, whether it was, you know, selecting a college 
um, or graduate school or otherwise. So um, he definitely influenced me. I wasn't really sure at a young age if I wanted to be an attorney. Um, when I went to college at Boston College, I majored in philosophy. So we all know there's not a whole lot you can do with that major. Um, wow, unless you want to teach it. How'd you go from philosophy to law? <laughs> well, it's actually somewhat of a natural transition. I mean, think about philosophy. A lot of it is um, you're reasoning through things, and there's really not a whole lot you can do with it in terms of a practical career unless you're going to teach it. So I really enjoyed academics, and actually more and more as I went through Boston College, I, I you know, I could have stayed there, I think, forever and just kept studying and taking exams. I was really enjoying it. And um, so by my sophomore year in college, that's when I kind of started really thinking, you know what, I think I might want to get into this law thing. Um, so I would talk to my dad about it more and more and try to gear some of my courses towards things that I thought could be helpful um, for law school. So I wasn't dead set on this at a, at a young age, but I think it was a gradual um, a gradual thing that kind of built up. And then in college, I said, you know what, let's go for it. And then I, you know, started applying. Let's piggyback on that same question, but let's add your mom to this now. How did she influence you to become an attorney or as an attorney? My mom has played a really pivotal role in my life. She's, she is a very happy go lucky, um, smart, funny person who one of her big skills is she can really talk to anybody in any location, any day about any topic. She's, um, she's a great listener. She's a very relaxed way about her, which makes people feel comfortable. She never seems to have a bad day. So um, if you translate that into what we do in our work, representing injured workers, as you know, we're, we're dealing with, People that are very down to earth, um, they need someone to talk to. They need someone to listen, someone who doesn't look down on them. And I think, you know, my personality, which quite honestly could would probably be a disaster in many other types of law, it, it really fits quite well with the clients that our firm has. Um, I'm able to listen and sympathize and, and really use my sense of humor to, to connect with them. So um on the legal side yeah my dad had an impact on me um but also personality matters too and how you connect with people and in that regard i think my mom's um attributes have really helped me a lot who do you feel resonates more in your personality that who do you feel comes out more your mom or your dad it's a combination i, I really think I'm kind of split down the middle, so to speak. I, you know, I don't think I, I lean one way or the other. I think um, my connection with the clients, I think, comes from my mom's attributes a little bit more than my dad. But um, my tenacity in terms of just wanting to win and um, – the fact that I, I, I don't I, I seem to have a, a pretty deep reservoir for um, for the legal aspect of things and the academic nature of it. I, I think that comes from him. So it's really an amalgamation of both sets of attributes that I feel lucky that I kind of got pieces of both of them. 
Where'd you get your competitive spirit from? Many in our community know you as tenacious as a workers' comp lawyer. And I saw that growing up with you in baseball and basketball games in North Penn area. Yes, in case everybody doesn't know, I've known Michael for a long time, grown up with him in the area. I've actually played baseball against him, but that's another story for another time. I don't even want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you've developed your swing a lot more since those those days when I when I had your number a little bit. <laughs> well, do you remember the times I used to talk to my coach and I would I would hear you were pitching. I'd ask him not to play me that day. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, but um, no, that's a great question. I I would say, I would say it's a combination of my mom, my dad, and my older brother, Dan. Um, actually, the more I think about it, <laughs> it's my older brother. He's here's a funny memory. I was about six years old or so, and like any kid, I would love going on the Easter egg hunts in the area. And I remember this one year, my brother prepared a specially designed Easter egg basket. It was like a, if I remember correctly, it was like a brown paper bag, but he rolled back the edges perfectly so that it was um, just very round and easy to throw the eggs into. There was it, it wasn't it wasn't folding in on itself or anything like that. And he told me. Dan told me, run to the back because the other kids are going to be too tempted to take the one, the eggs right at their feet near the starting line. So I acquiesced. I listened to him, and I had the whole back to myself. And I remember filling up the bag to the brim. And um, it's funny because I look back on that, and I think, oh, my God, he was so competitive. It didn't matter what event it was, whether it was school or, or football or whatever. And I think that really um, – really had an impact on me. We would shoot baskets in our driveway for hours, you know, even, even in the dark and the summertime. And so, um, and he was a good athlete. He played basketball, football, baseball, um, at Lansdale Catholic. And, you know, we played sports 24 seven, pretty much like you growing up. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it could have been baseball in the, in the front yard with neighbors or, tackle football in the fall and the winter. It was, it was really nonstop. So my dad was a competitive person, um, but he didn't have a lot of hobbies. He was really into just the law and reading and that type of thing. And my brother, his competitive competitiveness showed in, in everything, whether it was sports or, you know, any kind of um, aspect of life. So I really would have to say, you know, he was the biggest influence in terms of that, um, competitive spirit, and Dan is still that way to this day. I believe he is. He <laughs> is. We. I just started playing tennis again. Well, I played as a kid for a couple years, right. but I just started playing again about three years ago. And um, he is just phenomenal. I mean, we'll have we'll have matches, and you know, he's six years older than me, so he's he's in his young fifties now, the early fifties, and I can't beat him. He's just he is his strategy and his tenaciousness and his, um, you know, he's just got a fire, a fiery spirit when it comes to sports in particular. So I'm hoping I'll catch up soon and maybe get his number one of these days. But yeah, he's still very competitive. So it makes it fun. But I, what I love about Dan is he knows you can't beat him at tennis and he tells you that. But at the same time, he also. <laughs> tells you how to beat him at tennis exactly and it's all in good fun i mean we probably right. and yeah we're, we're 
we're competitive during the points, but afterwards we just laugh and, um, you know, it's the same thing with golf or, you know, whatever the sport is, basketball. Right. You know, I, I still think I can beat him one on one because I could probably bully him a little bit because I'm a little bit bigger. But he's got just hands of gold. He can make a three pointer still, you know, without even trying. So, um, yeah, he's he's a fun guy to to be around. I want to jump back for a minute, if you don't mind, uh, your mom and your dad. Um, you weren't just saying saying those things about them because they're your parents. I can personally attest to that. Your mom is like the sweetest, nicest person on the planet. And she will sit and talk to me, even if I haven't seen her in years. She will sit and talk to me like she saw me last week. Um, she really she does. She is like that. It's amazing. Yes. And... When my mom unfortunately passed away, um, I believe I had received a card from your mother at the time. Um, you had told her, and I received the mask card from your mother. And I hadn't seen your mother in a long time. And yeah. That, that, that's just how she was. And, and, and your father, I wasn't his son. He was tough on me at some points, too, when I would come to the house. You remember those? <laughs> <laughs> how tough he'd be on me. I'd be like, yo, is your dad home? And you would tell me, yeah, I'm like, all right, I'll just come over when he's not there. <laughs> <laughs> but the- yeah, he was he was interesting. He would come back from work and he was, you know, in legal mode where he was used to kind of cross-examining people. And sometimes that 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 spilled into the house. And you know, it was it could be very, very tense. But then he would relax and read the paper, have dinner, and then the fun side came out where he was more relaxed and laughing and so I can identify with that a little bit. It's um some days, you know, things are just so adversarial with the law and the people you're dealing with on the other side. And um sometimes you get into this mode of thinking that's not always doesn't always come off as very <laughs> right. And you always have to remind yourself, all right. Take off the legal hat, become a regular person again. And so I think a lot of attorneys kind of struggle with that at times. Right. I now that I sit back and I think about it, I I, I realize it now, and I realize why he why he was tough on me and everybody else that would come to the house. He just wanted the best for everybody. Yeah, he really had high standards. You know, right. he he um he was very ethical, and he was very um he, he wanted everybody to kind of strive to be sounds. Sounds kind of um, cliche, but it's true. He wanted everybody to achieve as much as they could, given their own circumstances. And I think he, you know, he liked to check in on people and see how they're doing and kind of keep them honest. Yes, yes. Now, given what you do, the tough workload, uh, you have three girls that I have two of my own, and you have three that I know aren't easy. (laughs) Girls are never (laughs) easy. Um, but what keeps you sane? Uh, what are your hobbies that keep you balanced? For years, in my um, after graduating law school and starting the practice, I was really into martial arts, um, even some mixed martial arts. I never did any cage fighting, but I was training and, and learning how to defend myself in, in different um, in different aspects of of the fight fighting game. I did Aikido. Um, traditional karate, some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And then more recently, a couple years ago, I did several years worth of, of some Muay Thai training. Um, a few years ago, I took up tennis. I hadn't really played, as I said earlier, since I was a kid. And um, 
I really started enjoying it again. I try to play one or two times a week. Um, I should probably try to play more as my body mass index isn't exactly where I want it to be. And, um, and plus you want to beat your brother. Of course. I got to catch up and, and try to take down Dan. He's winning all types of tournaments in Atlanta. I think he's now a certified instructor. So I, I got my work cut out for me. But um, but that's something fun to strive for. And um, I also enjoy reading, you know, watching some silly TV shows, politics, um, most of all, spending time with my three girls, of course. They're amazing. I enjoy traveling. Um, I think some of my favorite places, I guess, in the last maybe five to ten years, I'd have to say, are Ocean City, New Jersey. I like to go up to Boston a lot, down to Atlanta, um, Croatia, and also really enjoyed San Diego. I want to I want to get back there at some point. So, I try to keep my life balanced, you know. I, I try to uh, – I'm not as fit as I would like, but I try to exercise and, and, um, and read and try to do things like that to kind of keep myself balanced. Now, I, I know you often talk about your three girls. Uh, your, your oldest one, she seems like she's going to be a genius. Um, does she take after you, her mother, your parents? <laughs> way, to, way to put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> All three of them are um, really, really bright, and you know, I, I think, you know, I did, I did fine in school. I'm not, I'm not gonna, um, you know, I'm not gonna claim that I, I didn't. But she, she's like off the charts with her, um, with her intelligence. So <laughs> I, I, I think, I think they probably take more after her. So I, I'm just, I'm just being honest. <laughs> Yeah, she. It, I had a conversation with her at one time. At, I think we were at you at a concert, and she just like blew my mind at her age, the way she was talking. Yeah, there. It's all three of them are really, um, you know, doing well in school and everything. So I'm proud of them, and they and they work hard. They're they're very disciplined, and um, you know, they have a lot of time to play with their friends outside and through their sports and their dancing. But when it comes down to schoolwork, we make sure it's done. It's done right. And, um, you know, I think that'll just carry over. I think they're, you know, they're going to have some good opportunities ahead. I think the parent involvement is a big key in that with making sure that your children do their schoolwork and make sure it's done. And as far as them playing outside, you have to make time for that. They have to have the interaction. I agree. I, I think sometimes they learn just as much from interacting, you know, in terms of learning social skills things like that, um, playing outside and as, as they do, you know, with their, you know, reading from a textbook, it's, it's really a combination of, of things. And I, a lot of kids today are just buried in their, their video games and their, um, their phones. And we really make sure that they're outside exercising every day. And it's really important for their growth, you know, and, and just for their health in general, I think, that starts at a young age and, you know, hopefully it'll just carry over those kind of, um, those healthy habits. A lot more parents need to think like, like you do. Uh, it, it, it's crazy. How many kids are lost without their cell phones or like you said, their video games and they, they always have a, a, a fit when they have to do their homework and they can't play, uh, was it Minecraft? Or, or whatever it was called that was big yeah about six months ago it, it 
it boggles my mind where we came from when we were growing up as to where the kids are now. It's a completely different world. Yeah, it is. I, I'm amazed at, um, you know, teenagers today, a lot of them, and I'm, not all of them, of course, but a lot of them can't even look up at you and look at you in the eye and have like a normal conversation. They're so uncomfortable and they're, they're so used to just kind of having their head in a computer or cell phone that um, it's, it's a little bit disturbing. So we really um, have made it a priority to kind of make sure our kids are not not on their phone much at all. Just, you know, here and there for a, um, you know, a, a break is fine or if there's an emergency, but they're not, they're not allowed to have their phone very much at all. And I, you know, it's a, it's a huge mistake. A lot of parents make, cause I get it. They're working, they're tired. They want the kids to kind of be self-sufficient and not in their hair every minute. And so the kids naturally are going to go grab an iPad or a phone or whatever's available, you know? Well, I, this is funny because, and you can attest to this. I have three children myself. My oldest one's a temple and my middle one just graduated high school. And both of them, when I told them I had to write my papers for high school and college, they're like, oh, okay, no big deal. I said, no, you don't get it. I had to write my papers, not on a computer. I had to physically write my papers. Yeah. And, it's And the look I got from them was like, huh? What are you talking about? How, how'd you do that? <laughs> I know. Just writing, writing even now, it's like physically difficult. I don't know if I punch too many things in my martial arts days or what. My fingers get stiff. I can't even write that long. So I end up, I've become like a, a legal assistant in terms of typing speed. I can type probably, I, I, I don't know, I'm just guessing 70 words a minute because, you know, I've become so accustomed to just typing that. When I write something, it looks like I'm in third grade now. <laughs> I agree. Same here. It, it's almost like, how did we do this like 30 years ago? It's a lost art, yeah. It, it really is. Now, Michael, uh, I'm sure soon you're, you're making plans to wind down your career at some point. So when you do, at the end of the day, when you wind it down, whether that be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, what would you like people to remember about you? I would say that I cared. So many people are, you know, that I see are just going through the motions, um, stoic, not really being present in the moment. I really try to step into my client's shoes to feel what they're feeling and, and the grief, um, the hard times that they're going through. I can't, you know, experience it exactly, of course, but I really make an effort to do that. And I think it brings out empathy. And um, I really think the world in general lacks, you know, empathy. And I think it's a really important thing to either have or develop. So I, I really I just want to be remembered as someone who treated everyone fairly and who cared. You know, if I, it's, it's that simple. It's not it's not how many cases I won, although that's great. It's not awards or things like that. It's just being remembered as someone who really tried hard and I, you know with that i would be happy and and i would believe that that part of it would come from your mother yeah i mean both of them you know i don't i don't necessarily know that you can sort that kind of a thing out but um but yeah you know regardless of where it came from i think i've um developed it and i think 
you know, my schooling um, helped develop that too. You know, even going to St. Joe's prep, the, the, you know, the motto there is to be a man for others. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of continued at Boston College, which is Jesuit, um, to, to, to serve other people and to find happiness in serving other people. Um, so yeah, absolutely. That, that trait, you know, is formed early. Um, but it's also developed by either yourself and your schools or a combination. So, um, yeah, hopefully at the end of the day, people will just say, you know, this guy really put his heart and soul into what he did. And you have put your heart and soul into everything that you have done. Now, Michael, one more thing. I remember you saying a long time ago when you graduated from Boston College, like, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to any more Catholic schools. You want to tell everybody where you went to law school? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was feeling burnt out that day. No, I went to Villanova University School of Law. So I was right back at it with the, um, you know, with the, with the, well, they're Augustinian, but right, right, right. back at it with the, um, you know, the religion, the religious academic combination. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know all too well. I um, Catholic school does burn you out. That's why I, I went to North Penn. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right. That's about all the time we have right now. Mike, it's been a pleasure speaking with you about yourself, your background, and your inspirations. We hope the listeners enjoyed the change of pace from some of the drier legal topics. We're out of time for today. Please join us again for our next podcast here at Cardinal Law University. And we remind you that if you have any legal matters, we can help refer you to the right law firm. You can contact us anytime at www.cardamonlaw.com. That's www.cardamonelaw.com or by simply calling 215-206-9068. And as a reminder, we have offices in Bluebell, Allentown, Philadelphia, Lancaster, and Pittsburgh. So we serve injured workers all over Pennsylvania. Thank you, everybody, and stay healthy and join us next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.